0: Many of us in this world find ourselves searching for ways to feel more alive. We move through our lives day after day, living through the same repetitive cycles and the same stressful patterns that often leave us feeling defeated, underappreciated, or unfulfilled. But what if there were a different way to perceive life? What if out there, we were able to find the keys to a happy, healthy, and fulfilling reality in the lives that we're living right here, right now? For those of us who are looking for a way to transform our lives, for those of us who are looking to fully live in this moment, to change how we feel, how we perceive the world, and awaken to a better reality so we can fully live this life. This is the Live This Life Podcast. And I'm your host, Heath Cummings. I'm here to inspire you to ask yourself the question, are you living or are you killing time? What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. It is the end of yet another crazy week in this, this circumstances that we're living in right now. I'm recording this in late march of uh, 2020 and you know this year has definitely been topsy-turvy and this this whole virus thing is definitely turning our entire world upside down all of our lives are completely affected by it you know most of us are at this point have uh, you know had to hunker down stay home Um, we're all kind of quarantining and sheltering in our, our houses apartments or whatever and you know, this is this is definitely a difficult time for a lot of us. I mean, none of us have ever lived through anything like this, and this is definitely one of the toughest times I think in even human history, where you know all of us are fighting this this uh, invisible enemy that you know the entire world is is really focused on, and so many of us right now are are focusing our lives on this. You know, so many people had so many different things going on with careers and jobs and and aspirations and stuff that we've been working on. And now all of a sudden, this has become the focus of everybody's attention. You know, as much as maybe at first, I myself, it was even trying to downplay it. And obviously, you know, as the story unfolded, it's become more and more of a focus of my life and my professional life and, and everything. And it's, you know, it's, it's, been a huge challenge as much as I can imagine it has been for everybody out there listening. Um, you know, my heart goes out to all of you, I mean, no matter what your circumstances are. I know some people are fortunate enough to where it's really not affecting them that much. Um, some people are really making the best of this, like spending more time with their kids. Like it or not, you're probably having to do a lot of homeschooling, like I probably am, um, you know, and, and taking the opportunity to, to maybe be out in nature a little bit more. But you know i know a lot of you are in urban areas and you know you've got maybe the four walls of your small apartment and uh you know that's that's all that you've got and i definitely feel for everybody who is going through tough times right now with job circumstances and health circumstances and everything you know i've got to say it's been really difficult on my own here you know in a smaller less significant portion of life to try to get here and do more podcasts, uh, you know, I thought I'd have a more available time right now, but my biggest hang-up right now is just trying to find um, things to say, you know, really, you know, this is an artistic ex- expression, and it's, uh, it's it's tough to do it when you're not really feeling it. You, know, you, it, you know, people can tell when it's not a genuine effort, and lately I really don't feel like I've been able to give a genuine effort to to get on here. I mean, the main point of this podcast is to get out there and try and help people live a more fulfilling life and to inspire people and to bring people on this podcast that are going to inspire you and and talk about things that are going to maybe help you understand the nature of reality a little bit more. You know, your your infinite power as, as creators and maybe even have you have a deeper connection to that higher version of yourself, that that deeper inner person that resides underneath all that ego-driven stuff that you've been conditioned to, to learn. You know, that's what this podcast was all about. And who knows, maybe you get inspired to have connections more spiritually, whatever you believe in, whatever religion or non-religious type of beliefs that you have, maybe you connect to those a little bit more. You know, that's the path that I've had in the last few years that's really helped me live a more fulfilling life, a much more happier life. And that was the purpose of this podcast. But right now, um, I have found it very difficult to come on and have inspiring things to say or very helpful things to try and help with the situation that's happening right now and give some of you a little bit of an escape. Because even myself, I'm trying to find my own escapes. You know, I'm trying to find things that are going to uh, let my brain take a little bit of a break from all of this stuff and i think coming on the podcast and and just delivering this message right now is a expression of vulnerability and it's something that i've never really allowed to come out in my life previously before and i think a lot of people are are doing the same thing right now i think a lot of people especially if you're in like a, some sort of a leadership role or even you know as a parent um you know trying to be there for your kids and not let them see how nervous you might be about stuff Uh, I think we're all trying to maybe just keep our heads above water a bit right now and, you know, not let the gravity of this situation grab a hold of us. And I think that's so important because we don't know where this is going to go. We really don't. And, you know, the last episode that I did, where do we go from here? I think there's so much more I could have even said. I've, I've listened to that episode after I've recorded it. And there are so many different places that we can go after this situation is over. But unless you have some really good talents to see the future, you don't know where this is going to go, you know, and if you listen to the mainstream media, it's going to tell you it's heading in in really bad places. And, you know, if you vary your news sources all over the place, there's a good chance that this could come and go very quickly, you know, if we listen to some of the experts and we do the things that they're recommending that we do. This could really, uh, you know, flatten out, which is what our goals are in in public administration is to try and get everybody to understand. Just we got to get the curve to flatten out. We can start to minimize the spread. They can help contain. They can help treat, and that's what's going to get this to pass by so much faster. It's the spread and the overwhelm that leads to them to not be able to treat the people that are coming in sick um, because they have insufficient amounts of means to help people. Um, So we just have to, to try that. And who knows, in the next few weeks, this could really change its course very, very quickly. And so many of us can start to return back to our lives as normal. But the one biggest thing I can say to you is you have to take each day for what it is. Take the time with your kids. Take the time to... Be with yourself. Um, you know, I've tried to suggest some things that you can do to take up your time. But even even myself, like I, I can give you pieces of advice, you know, get out in nature, do some hikes, do this, do that. Some of you don't have that ability right now. Um, I've even said, you know, retreat in a little bit. Do a little bit more self, self-reflection, you know, kind of design out what you want your life to look like after this. I haven't been able to do that myself either because it's so hard to feel that, that, desire and inspiration to go in in a, you know, a brand new direction of where you want things to go because you're so focused on where they are right now and, you know, I've even even suggested taking up meditation and I consider myself a pretty advanced uh, in meditation And lately, uh, I cannot get my mind to be calm. I mean, I even have one of those Muse headbands that detects your brain waves and everything. And I can barely get that thing to register calm brain waves. Um, Sometimes I like to use it, sometimes I don't. I find it distracting sometimes. Um, I've tried with and without it and I can't even get solid meditations in either. Can't get to the gym like I used to. I'm trying to make the best of that at home with some at-home workouts, which by the way, um, check out one of the next couple of episodes. I'll have some information on a sponsor who uh, can help you get some good at-home workouts, a very well-known sports sponsor. So Check it out. That might give you all something a little bit. I mean, working out at home um, is not the greatest thing in the world, but getting those endorphins can really help out your mindset. But anyways, um, you know, I, f- I feel for everybody where you're at. And trust me, you know, when you even look to some of your leaders, some of the people who you think are so calm and have it put together right now, um, I think it's really uh, it, it, its important to know that we're all going through a certain something right now. So be patient with yourself. Try to immerse yourself in the now moments as much as you can and do not worry about that future because it's so unknown. It's so unwritten. Just focus on what you can do to keep yourself safe. um, Live each day for what it is. Just be grateful for every day that you've got. And just another huge reason why I'm diving into this book, Power of Now, because I know back in the day when I first read this, it helped me out immensely. And now that I have a different perspective on life, revisiting these lessons help out so much. And we're going to dive right into this one. I apologize for not getting another chapter out. I realize it's been over a month since I've read the last chapter. So we're going to dive into these so I can get this book um, all in the recordings, get it get it done, and start another one right now because I think that's going to help a lot of people. Um, a lot of people don't like to read. They licen- like to listen to books on tape and recordings. So why not get this one on there You know, about halfway through it now? So um, let's dive in. Now, th- before we start chapter five... Chapter four, really, uh, you know, some of the points I wanted to hit on was there was this one significant spot that I put a note on about dropping the negativity when you want to take action on an, an event or a situation, to drop the negativity before you take that action and let your action be guided out of insight on where you think you should go. And I think that in itself is also a superpower because we need jerk react to things, right? I mean, we... We always react in situations and, and you know, in conversations with people. We just immediately knee-jerk react to what was said. And a lot of times, you just have to pause and reflect. I mean, I found myself in conversation now firing back witty things or just saying something for the sake of saying it. I found myself doing that a lot less. And I speak in public a lot less because I take in more information and digest it very, very slowly. And I think that you can make some really good decisions by doing that. You know, in my fast-paced career before, you had to make split-second decisions. You had to all the time. That, that was your livelihood. That's what kept you alive. So to have that luxury now, which I hope most of you also have on a regular basis, to not react to something right away, especially if you're in an argument with somebody, react out of insight rather than anything that's negative, and the surrender to an event or situation. That helps you give up all the resistance. And that's where the true spiritual power lies. Because you really give yourself up to the process. And if you think of the relevance of that statement in chapter four to what's going on right now, so much of us have this resistance to what's developing in the world. We have this resistance... That our financial system is having some sort of a breakdown. We're having this resistance of what's happening around us. We don't have control over that. And giving resistance to it can make it more painful. So give up that resistance. Live day to day for what it is right now. As unfortunate as any circumstance might be, give yourself up to the process. And try and let go of the resistance. And you'll notice that the pain subsides as well. All right, so let's get it growing and get started on The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Chapter 5, this one's called The State of Presence. And just a reminder, in these chapters, Eckhart puts a little a little mark in the book where he wants you to pause and reflect on the the point that was just made. So when those sections come up, I'm going to play a brief moment of music for you to reflect on what was just said. So this section's called, It's Not What You Think It Is. In italics, it says, You keep talking about the state of presence as the key. I think I understand it intellectually, but I don't know if I've ever truly experienced it. I wonder, is it what I think it is, or is it something entirely different? It's not what you think it is. You can't think about presence, and the mind can't understand it. Understanding presence is being present. Try a little experiment. Close your eyes and say to yourself, I wonder what my next thought's going to be. Then become very alert and wait for the next thought. Be like a cat watching the mouse hole. What thought is going to come out of the mouse hole? Try it now. well. In italics, it says, I had to wait for quite a long time before a thought came in. Exactly. As long as you are in a state of intense presence, you're free of thought. You are still yet highly alert. The instant your conscious attention sinks below a certain level, thought rushes in. The mental noise returns. The stillness is lost. You are back in time. To test their degree of presence, some Zen masters have been known to creep up on their students from behind and suddenly hit them with a stick. Quite a shock. If the student had been fully present and in a state of alertness, if he had, quote, kept his loin girded and his lamp burning, which is one of the analogies that Jesus uses for presence, he would have noticed the master coming up from behind and stopped him or stepped aside. But if he were hit, that would mean he was immersed in thought, which is to say absent, unconscious. To stay present in everyday life, it helps to be deeply rooted within yourself. Otherwise, the mind, which has incredible momentum, will drag you along like a wild river. In italics, what do you mean by rooted within yourself? It means to inhabit your body fully, to always have some sort of attention in the inner energy field of your body, to feel the body from within, so to speak. Body awareness keeps you present. It anchors you in the now. The next section, the esoteric meaning of, quote, waiting. In a sense, the state of presence could be compared to waiting. Jesus used the analogy of waiting in some of his parables, This is not the usual bored or restless kind of waiting that is a denial of the present and that I spoke about already. It is not a waiting in which your attention is focused on some point in the future and the present is perceived as an undesirable obstacle that prevents you from having what you want. There is a qualitatively different kind of waiting, one that requires your total alertness, Something could happen at any moment, and if you are not absolutely awake, absolutely still, you will miss it. This is the kind of waiting Jesus talks about. In that state, all your attention is in the now. There is none left for daydreaming, thinking, remembering, anticipating. There is no tension in it. No fear, just alert presence. You are present with your whole being, with every cell of your body, In that state, the, quote, you, that has a past and a future, the personality, if you like, is hardly there anymore, and yet nothing of value is lost. You are still essentially yourself. In fact, you're more fully yourself than you ever were before, or rather, it is only now that you are truly yourself. Quote, be like a servant waiting for the return of the master, says Jesus. The servant does not know at what hour the master is going to come, so he stays awake, alert, poised, still, lest he miss the master's arrival. In another parable, Jesus speaks of the five careless, unconscious women who do not have enough oil, consciousness, to keep their lamps burning, stay present, and so miss the bridegroom, the now, and don't get to the wedding feast, enlightenment. These five stand in contrast to the five wise women who have enough oil. Stay conscious. Even the men who wrote the Gospels did not understand the meaning of these parables, so the first misinterpretations and distortions crept in as they were written down. With subsequent erroneous interpretations, the real meaning was completely lost. These are parables not about the end of the world, but about the end of psychological time. They point to the transcendence of the egoic mind and the possibility of living in in an entirely new state of consciousness. Beauty arises... The next section. Beauty arises in the stillness of your presence. The question in italics. What you have just described is something that I occasionally experience for brief moments when I am alone and surrounded by nature. Yes, Zen masters use the word satori to describe a flash of insight, a moment of no mind and total presence, although Satori is not a lasting transformation. Be grateful when it comes, for it gives you a taste of enlightenment. You may indeed have experienced it many times without knowing what it is and realizing its importance. Presence is needed to become aware of the beauty, the majesty, the sacredness of nature. Have you ever gazed up into the infinity of space on a clear night, awestruck by the absolute stillness and inconceivable vastness of it? Have you listened, truly listened, to the sound of a mountain stream in the forest, or to the song of a blackbird at dusk on a quiet summer evening? To become aware of such things, the mind needs to be still. You have to put down for a moment your personal baggage of problems— of past and future, as well as your knowledge, otherwise you will see but not see, hear but not hear. Total presence is required. Beyond the beauty of the external forms, there is more here, something that cannot be named, something ineffable, something deep, inner, holy essence. Whenever and wherever there is beauty. This inner essence shines through somehow. It only reveals itself to you when you are present. Could it be that this nameless essence and your presence are one and the same? Would it be there without your presence? Go deeply into it. Find out for yourself. When you experienced those moments of presence you likely didn't realize that you were briefly in a state of no mind. This is because the gap between the state and the influx of thought was too narrow. Your satori may have only lasted for a few seconds before the mind came in, but it was there. Otherwise, you would not have experienced the beauty. Mind can neither recognize nor create beauty. Only for a few seconds, while you were completely present, was that beauty or that sacredness there. Because of the narrowness of that gap and lack of vigilance and alertness on your part, you were probably unable to see the fundamental difference between the perception, the thoughtless awareness of beauty, and the naming and interpreting of it as thought. The time gap was so small that it seemed to be a single process. The truth is, however, that the moment thought came in, all you had was a memory of it. The wider the time gap between perception and thought, the more depth there is to you as a human being, which is to say, the more conscious you are. Many people are so imprisoned in their minds that the beauty of nature does not really exist for them. They might say, What a pretty flower. But that's just a mechanical mental labeling, because they are not still, not present. They don't truly see the flower don't feel its essence, its holiness, just as they don't know themselves, don't feel their own essence, their own holiness. Because we live in such a mind-dominated culture, most modern art, architecture, music, and literature are devoid of beauty, of inner essence, with very few exceptions. The reason is that people who create those things cannot, even for a moment, free themselves from their mind. So they're never in touch with that place within where true creativity and beauty arise. The mind left to itself creates monstrosities. And not only in art galleries. Look at our urban landscapes and industrial wastelands. No civilization has ever produced so much ugliness. The next section. Realizing pure consciousness. In italics. Is presence the same as being? And that's being with a capital B. When you become conscious of being, what is really happening is that being becomes conscious of itself. When being becomes conscious of itself, that's presence. Since being, consciousness, and life are synonymous, we could say that presence means consciousness becoming conscious of itself or life attaining self-consciousness. But don't get attached to the words, and don't make an effort to understand this. There is nothing that you need to understand before you can become present. In italics, the question says, I do understand what you just said, but it seems to imply that being, or God, the ultimate transcendental reality is not yet complete that it is undergoing a process of development. Does God or being need time for personal growth? Yes, but only as seen from the limited perspective of the manifested universe. In the Bible, God declares, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the Living One. In the timeless realm where God dwells, which is also your home, the being and the end, the alpha and the omega, are one, and the essence of everything that has ever been and ever will be is eternally present in an unmanifested state of oneness and perfection, totally beyond anything the human mind can ever imagine or comprehend. In our world of seemingly separate forms, however, timeless perfection is an inconceivable concept. Here, even consciousness, which is the light emanating from the eternal source, seems to be subject to a process of development. But this is due to our limited perception. It is not so in absolute terms. Nevertheless, let me continue to speak for a moment about the evolution of consciousness in this world. Everything that exists has being, has God essence, has some degree of consciousness. Even a stone has rudimentary consciousness. Otherwise it would not be, and its atoms and molecules would disperse. Everything is alive. The sun, the earth, the plants, animals, humans, all are expressions of consciousness in varying degrees, consciousness manifesting as form. The world arises when consciousness takes on shapes and forms, thought forms and material forms. Look at the millions of life forms on this planet alone. In the sea, on land, in the air, and then each life form is replicated millions of times. To what end? Is someone or something playing a game? A game with form? This is what the ancient seers of India asked themselves. They saw the world as Leela, a kind of divine game that God is playing. The individual forms are obviously not very important in this game. In the sea, most life forms don't survive more than a few minutes after being born. The human form turns to dust pretty quickly too. And when it is gone... It's as if it had never been. Is that tragic or cruel? Only if you create a separate identity for each form. If you forget that it that its consciousness is god essence expressing itself in form. But you don't truly know that until you realize your own god essence is pure consciousness. If a fish born in your aquarium, if a fish is born in your aquarium and you call it John, Write out a birth certificate, tell him about your family history, and two minutes later he gets eaten by another fish. That's tragic. But it's only tragic because you projected a separate self where there was none. You got a hold of a fraction of a dynamic process, a molecular dance, and made a separate entity out of it. Consciousness takes on the dialogue of forms until they reach such complexity that it completely loses itself in them. In present-day humans, consciousness is completely identified with its disguise. It only knows itself as form, and therefore lives in fear of the annihilation of its physical or psychological form. This is the egoic mind, and this is where the considerable dysfunction sets in. It now looks as if something had gone very wrong, somewhere along the line of evolution. But even this is part of Leela, the divine game. Finally, the pressure of suffering created by this apparent dysfunctional, dysfunction forces consciousness to disidentify from form and awakens it from its dream of form. It regains self-consciousness. But it is at a far deeper level than when it lost it. This process is explained by Jesus in his parable of the lost son, who leaves his father's home, squanders his wealth, becomes destitute, and is then forced by his suffering to return home. When he does this, when he does, his father loves him more than before. The son's state is the same as it was before, yet not the same. It has an added dimension of depth. The parable describes a journey from unconscious perfection through an apparent imperfection and quote "evil" to conscious perfection. Can you now see the deeper and wider significance of becoming present as the watcher of your mind? Whenever you watch the mind, you withdraw consciousness from mind forms, which then becomes what we call the watcher, witness. Consequently, the watcher, pure consciousness beyond form, becomes stronger, and the mental formations become weaker. When we talk about watching the mind, we are personalizing an event that is truly of cosmic significance, Through you, consciousness is awakening out of its dream of identification with form and withdrawing from form. This foreshadows, but is already part of, an event that probably still is in the distant future as far as chronological time is concerned. The event is called the end of the world. When consciousness frees itself from its identification with physical and mental forms, it becomes what we may call pure or enlightened consciousness or presence. This has already happened in a few individuals, and it seems destined to happen soon on a much larger scale. Although there is no absolute guarantee that it will happen, most humans are still in the grip of the egoic mode of consciousness, identified with their mind and run by their mind. If they do not free themselves from their mind in time, they will be destroyed by it. They will experience increasing confusion, conflict, violence, illness, despair, madness. Egoic mind has become like a sinking ship. If you don't get off, you will go down with it. The collective egoic mind is the most dangerously insane and destructive entity ever to inhabit this planet. What do you think will happen on this planet if human consciousness remains unchanged? Already for most humans, the only respite they find from their own minds is to occasionally revert to a level of consciousness below thought. Everyone does that every night during sleep. But this also happens to some extent through sex, alcohol, and other drugs that suppress excessive mind activity. If it weren't for alcohol, tranquilizers, antidepressants, as well as the illegal drugs, which are all consumed in vast quantities, the insanity of the human mind would become even more glaringly obvious than it is already. I believe that if deprived of their drugs, a large part of the population would become a danger to themselves or others. These drugs, of course, simply keep you stuck in dysfunction. Their widespread use only delays the breakdown of the old mind structures and the emergence of higher consciousness. While individual users may get some relief from the daily torture inflicted on them by their minds, they're prevented from generating enough conscious presence to rise above thought and so find true liberation. Falling back to a level of consciousness below mind, which is the pre-thinking level of our distant ancestors of animals and plants, is not an option for us. There's no way back. If the human race is to survive, it will have to go on to the next stage, Consciousness is evolving throughout the universe in billions of forms. So even if we didn't make it, this wouldn't matter on a cosmic scale. No gain in consciousness is ever lost. So it would simply express itself through some other form. But the very fact that I'm speaking here and you are listening or reading this is a clear sign that the new consciousness is gaining a foothold on the planet. There is nothing personal in this. I am not teaching you. You are consciousness and you are listening to yourself. There is an Eastern saying, the teacher and the taught together create the teaching. In any case, the words in themselves are not important. They're not the truth. They only point to it. I speak from presence. And as I speak, you may be able to join me in that state. Although every word that I use has a history, of course, and comes from the past, as all language does, the words that I speak to you now are carriers of the high energy frequency of presence, quite apart from the meaning they convey as words. Silence is an even more potent carrier of presence. So when you read this or listen to me speak, be aware of the silence between the under, between and underneath the words. Be aware of the gaps. To listen to the silence wherever you are is an easy and direct way of becoming present. Even if there is noise, there is always some silence underneath and in between the sounds. Listen to the silence immediately. Listening to the silence immediately creates stillness inside you. Only the stillness in you can perceive the silence outside. And what is stillness other than presence? Consciousness freed from thought forms. Here is the living realization of what we've been talking about. The next and final section of this chapter. Christ, the reality of your divine presence. Don't get attached to any one word. You can substitute, quote, Christ for presence, if that is more meaningful to you. Christ is your God essence or the self, as it is sometimes called in the East. The only difference between Christ and presence is that Christ refers to your indwelling divinity, regardless of whether you are conscious of it or not. Whereas presence means your awakened divinity or God essence. Many misunderstandings and false beliefs about Christ will clear if you realize that there is no past or future in Christ. To say that Christ was or will be is a contradiction in terms. Jesus was. He was a man who lived 2,000 years ago and realized divine presence, his true nature. He also said, Before Abraham was, I am. He did not say, I already existed before Abraham was born. That would have meant that he was still within the dimension of time and form identity. The words, I am, used in a sentence that starts in the past tense, indicate a radical shift. A discontinuity in the temporal dimension. It is a Zen-like statement of great profundity. Jesus attempted to convey directly, not through discursive thought, The meaning of presence, of self realization. He had gone beyond the consciousness dimension governed by time into the realm of the timeless. The dimension of eternity had come into this world. Eternity, of course, does not mean endless time, but no time. Thus, the man Jesus became Christ, a vehicle for pure consciousness. And what is God's self definition in the Bible? Did God say, I have always been and I always will be? Of course not. That would have given reality to past and future. God said, I am that I am. No time here, just presence. The quote, second coming of Christ is a transformation of human consciousness. A shift from time to presence. From thinking to pure consciousness not the arrival of some man or woman. If, quote, Christ were to return tomorrow in some externalized form, what would he or she possibly say to you other than this? I am the truth. I am divine presence. I am eternal life. I am within you. I am here. I am now. Never personalize Christ. Don't make Christ into a form identity. Avatars, divine mothers, enlightened masters, the very few that are real, are not special as persons. Without a false self to uphold, defend, and free, and feed, they are more simple, more ordinary than the ordinary man or woman. Anyone with a strong ego would regard themselves as insignificant or, more likely, not see them at all. If you are drawn to an enlightened teacher, it is because there are already enough presence in you to recognize presence in another. There were many people who did not recognize Jesus or the Buddha, and there are and always have been many people who are drawn to false teachers. Egos are drawn to bigger egos. Darkness cannot recognize light. Only light can recognize light. So don't believe that the light outside of you or so don't believe that the light is outside of you or that it can only come through one particular form. If only your master is an incarnation of God, then who are you? Any kind of exclusivity is identification with form. And identification with form means ego, no matter how well disguised. Use the master's presence to reflect your own identity beyond name and form back to you and to become more intensely present yourself. You will soon realize that there is no quote mine or yours in presence. Presence is one. Group work can also be helpful for intensifying the light of your presence. A group of people coming together in a state of presence generates a collective energy field of great intensity. It not only raises the degree of presence in each member of the group, but also helps to free the collective human consciousness from its current state of mind dominance. This will make the state of presence increasingly more accessible to individuals. However, Unless at least one member of the group is already firmly established in it and thus can hold the energy frequency of that state, the egoic mind can easily reassert itself and sabotage the group's endeavors. Although group work is invaluable, it is not enough, and you must not come to depend on it, nor must you come to depend on a teacher or master, except during the transitional period, when you are learning the meaning and practice of presence. And with that, we'll wrap up chapter five. A lot of great info in this chapter, as always with this book. Definitely this chapter focuses a lot more on, you know, God and uh, the Bible and Jesus and everything. Um, You know, and I know a lot of people in spiritual circles are not very religious folks. I mean, I'm, I'm formerly somebody who looked into every single... Not every single religion, but most of the major religions out there to try to find a place in some of my darkest times. And like I said in the beginning of reading this and, and other episodes of the podcast, that I feel like almost every religion got something really significantly right, but all of them stand in a place that I feel is just off. And with where this book goes, with talking about religion, hopefully it's not offensive to anybody if you have strong beliefs about, beliefs about religion. But I think it does give some clarity to some of the, to the religious paths that have been so heavily distorted. You know, a lot of even like, like Christianity in the Bible, you know, there, if you look up the Council of Nicaea, where that was heavily, heavily edited at that time, a lot of books removed, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of hands that was passed down over the years. And, you know, especially with that heavy edit, the, uh, the Emperor Constantine. Um, you know, did a lot of things to that religion. So I feel like some of these ancient teachings and some of the the modern people that tried to bring all the concepts together into texts like The Power of Now try to get you to grasp the power of what the the people were trying to say in some of the historical texts and apply it to more of a modern way of life now. And I know this this chapter specifically was very heavy in The words God, and I know a lot of people look at the word God in such a religious text. Um, don't let those words be uh, you know misleading and don't let it focus you uh, too much on the word God. Find what God means to you, whether it's you know the creator or the universe. You know, when they say the word being in this chapter, uh, in this entire book, it's capitalized and it's to mean being, being as in the one, the being, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, whatever it means to you. But when it comes to saying those things, try to release any any religious undertones and try and take the message in the book for what it is. So with that, everybody, I'm going to wrap up this episode. I hope that all of you are staying strong during this time. I'm hoping to get some more frequent episodes out for everybody. If you're sitting home and you're just listening to podcasts, I'm going to try and get some of my interview episodes going in the next couple of days, and use some of this time that I'm home a little bit more to connect with some of my some of my people out there who are um, you know waiting to get on this uh, the podcast with some interview episodes. And I've had so many I've had to delay over the last few weeks. You know, we should have already had I think three or four gone by and already be in the editing phase. So. Keep tuned for those. Um, you know, please keep continuing to share the stuff on the the podcast. Share it with your friends. Get out there and um, uh, review on whatever platform you're listening to. Definitely, Apple Podcast helps us reach the most people. Um, but try and share this with people who might need this right now. Like I said in the the opening of this episode, we don't know where this is going to go, and let's just do our best to put it out there that this is going to be a time that we'll learn a lot from and hopefully it passes by pretty quick with you know minimal lives lost minimal damage to you know society so people can get back to get back to life and focus more on where they were heading and where they want to head in this world and in their lives Until then, if you have any ideas for episodes, if you have some things you'd like us to focus on, some things that would help you during this time, some questions you might have, some sticking points that you might have, shoot me an email. You can reach me at connect, that's C-O-N-N-E-C-T, at livethislife.org. Until next time, keep living life, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time.